0: Hello, adventurers. I want to take a moment to tell you that all our content can now be found uninterrupted and commercial-free on Apollo Plus. Apollo Plus is a subscription-based service that enhances your audio fiction experience with ad-free access to your favorite shows and exclusive content, while at the same time supporting us all as creators to keep bringing you quality content. Please take a moment to check out Apollo Plus at apollopods.com or download the app in your Google or Apple app stores. Again, that's Apollo Plus, your new home for quality audio fiction.
1: Well, (laughs) hello, adventurers. It's me, your favorite death cleric, Dabria. This episode was made possible by our supporters and Patreons. J.D. Rose, Daniel Nichols, Haley Munoz, Brian Dowling, Storm Cone, and Jolene Fresquez. Join us supporting the show at patreon.com slash Theater or downloading multiple copies to sell on the black market. It's free, but <laughs> they won't know that. Just don't let Goody Goody Benedict find out. He might have to forgive you or something. Last episode, we left for my home of homes, Enrook, Shrouded in smoke and heat, from the twin volcanoes, this place was like my own personal sauna. The perfectly worst of the world, like yours truly. Congregated here in the sweet criminal melting pot of our own beloved army's design. (laughs) Mm. But now I've come home, not as a hero, but stone by stone, I swear to take it down. Down,
0: down. Dragons, season four, episode two. The city on fire. The sails of faded midnight were pulled back as the ship docked easily in the harbor of Enro. A warm, thick haze hung heavy and low, smelling deeply of the burning brimstone nearby. Minotaur, ogres, and humans moved about the dockside, carrying very large crates or barrels from the docks to carts leading up to the marketplace. Benedict looked up dusk is setting in. Oh, God, this armor chafes. How can you tell that? It just looks slightly dimmer to me. The sun is fading to the east, past the mountains meeting the sea. I, I can feel it's fading.
1: <laughs> well, there you be.
0: Make ready, lads. We leave in an hour. You want to stay here longer than
1: Come on, follow me. There's a place we can get room just outside the docks a bit quieter.
0: Gabriel led the three other darkly-dressed companions up the docks. The smell of copper, salt, brine, and vinegar struck Zoran's nose as familiar. Well, someone's pickling fish today. Disgusting. You haven't had the good stuff, then. (laughs) Can be pretty welcome on- Zoran paused for a minute at what he was going to say. Deeply curious about Erlen's offhand remark and dismissal of the welcome Mm. food. Long journeys. Well, what do we have here? Journey (laughs) marks? Let's go make some friends, shall we? (laughs) Sweet, sweet little friends they be to. All the hugging. (laughs) Gabrielle held her hand up freezing them in their tracks. Her golden eyes set on four ogres stepping out of the crowd, glowering over them as they passed by. Their bodies stood 10 feet high, and dark black leather scales hung from pale muscular shoulders. Rudely, they forced themselves through the packed crowd, who clamored to get out of their way for fear of being trampled. Watch it! (laughs) The smell of sweat and the moaning followed them, making Benedict's eyes water. They walked past the party through a group of six smaller humanoid mercenaries. Likely a mix of human and elf based on their height, Benedict imagined. (laughs) Again you
1: die. You carry what's mine. Yours. Hear that, boys?
0: a donation. <laughs> what? What donation? The dark-clad mercenary pulled a scarf over her nose and mouth, only revealing a pair of almond-shaped purple eyes. Elven eyes. She stood up on a crate she'd perched on like a raven, her dark cloak emblazoned with a half-skull and hourglass in faint silvery thread. Another one of her companions stepped forward, the cruel curved dagger of dark Damascus, tossing lazily in the palm of his hand. Yeah. See, you hand over your stuff and we (laughs) liberate you from your tedious, mundane task of ever having to carry it again. Yeah. Real simple.
1: Yeah, real simple.
0: I not simple. No, don't it. We take. <laughs> Get that. Nooo. The, like the crashing waves of a tsunami. Crude clubs breaking the shorter bodies them, As innocent individuals in the crowd were mowed over. The blackened steel of one of the mercenaries' bullets hopelessly paved in its wearer thrown to the side lifelessly. The remaining mercenaries bolted as a single force, darting between the thick trunk-like legs of the ogres to strike at hamstrings and open flanks. Screams erupted as the ogres frantically searched the crowd for the quick assailants. One ogre fell with a groan off the dockside, the water with a large slash. The other two stopped and looked at each other, fire in their eyes dwindling. 50 pests! Keep your gold! Let's go! Yeah, yeah, There's no good, anyways. As they left, Bendik noted the bodies were roughly tossed to one side to clear the path as the crowd began bustling again. He looked twenty yards past this encounter and noticed the rotting remains of another encounter in a heap by some old shipping crates. Does... does no one care about the law here? <laughs>
1: what law? They were murdered! You... You... Wearing that law right now, and that law is hate, lies, and murder. Do you understand?
0: Benedict nodded hesitantly. Dabria looked at Zoran and Erlen, who also nodded in understanding. She turned her golden eyes back to Benedict. He noted they seemed like golden rings found in a forgotten glacier.
1: Just, just walk the walk, Benedict. Come on!
0: There's a faint, sweet smell that mingled with the tang of blood and sulfurous brimstone and the thick air. As he continued into the heart of the quarter. The deep red sky reflected the pools and rivers of fire that surrounded this ancient holy city of the kobolds. You and the,
1: you rest, and of the rest of your rest kind only of care, care about, about yourself. Tell, Tell me, Erlen, Erlen.
0: where How? How? How you been? You been? Erlen repeated the harsh conversation with Natha in his mind, the words of selfishness and greed stinging with the same impact he felt when they parted ways did she mean your kind thought back to the ruby cage he was trapped in forgotten for how many years in that twilight world beneath the hills beneath the kingdom of the dark dwarves did she know more about his lost memories was she some sort of key to unlocking them he had so many questions for her once they returned (sighs) If they returned Emotionless and resolute, the rangers stuck to the rear of the group, and continued, one foot in front of the other, clutching the pendant at his chest. There. Turning a corner, they walked towards a box-like plain brick building. As they approached, they noticed there was nothing remarkable about the rough red and black brick. Yeah, so... this looks like a warehouse? I agree. Are we sure this is. Oh
1: my god. Watch if you don't believe me.
0: Almost in response to their commentary, confirmation was given as the door to the dingy, unnamed tavern burst open, and six Minotaurs staggered out into the street, cursing and shouting. <laughs> Look at these weak bloods. Yeah! Even scum! Hey, girly. I'm talking to your friend now. Uh, maybe you can tell him how you show some respect. Yeah, respect. Weak bloods need to show some respect. Yeah. It's something that they don't know because they ain't got it. Oh, shut up.
1: <laughs> ah, snake eye. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of you. Shouldn't she be back at the dock bringing us more ale? Or, wait... Is it cleaning the waste pits again?
0: What did you say? Dabria pulled the loose hooded cloak back from her face and crossed her scarred arms. Scars that found home somewhere in this dark city's past, no doubt. The Minotaur's eyes fell on her like moths to a flame. <sighs> Recognition and horror swept across their faces as the golden eyes of Dabria narrowed. I meant no disrespect, mistress. Please... Mistress? Uh, Wait! Really?
1: Oh, oh, no! Run.
0: Forgive us, dark mistress! I
1: have no time for you. <sighs> I said run!
0: Gabrielle gestured at the cruel whip at her belt. This was her namesake and weapon of choice. eight-foot-tall Minotaur scrambled down the street drunkenly, tumbling through an old cart filled with foul-smelling refuse. She pulled the thin velvet of her cloak back over herself, gently covering the raised jagged scars of her arms. A memory shot through her mind as she went slightly. Training had made her immune to pain, and loveless world cemented it to her like a second skin. She was the mistress of pain to those that served her, and to others she was the angel of death.
1: Come on, let's go inside.
0: Somewhere on the northwest area of town, the other group made its way through the city closest to the temples and the barracks. Cordelia and Isonatha worked together to weave an illusion, making them seem like mercenaries one of which looked pretty awkward as it plodded down the road. Short legs and two heads behind the dark armor revealed a halfling perched on the shoulders of a surly dwarf.
1: We still must be careful here. This is the ogre perimeter, and they don't care for mercenaries, let alone the rest of us, small folk. Even Dabry and I didn't walk here alone.
0: Sophie nodded in understanding as she walked next to the dark-robed oracle.
1: (coughs) What's with all the dark armor? Not fitting a me to hide behind this. Rather behind a good boulder. Or maybe a keg of ale.
0: Easy for you to say. I'm trying to blend in with you on my shoulders.
1: Oh, you're fine. Look. (laughs) You're tough.
0: And you're heavy. Maybe you need to lay off the pastry.
1: Oh, stop it. No need to hurt my feelings.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I was just playing. You're making this more fun, honestly. And now? We're twice as high.
1: Well... I am, at least. Wow, look at that.
0: The row of structures to their right ended, revealing a pristine white building. The red-orange glow seemed to diffuse when it hit the white marble walls. It shone like a proud beacon.
1: The Temple of the Sun. The kobold's ancient temple.
0: Sophie looked up to the cloudy dark sky, red-orange networking in slow, drifting veins between them imagine a sun was impossible
1: how can they worship the sun in a place like this (laughs) it's symbolic they don't all things have good and bad light and dark evil and good can be learned from the same teacher yes and culture too is a powerful teacher
0: sophie saw isanatha bow her head and thought. Excuse me. Would you have time for an old man? Lorvana looked back to see a man in a dark robe leaning on a tall staff. The hood coiled over his head, leaving two eyes the color of deep oceans over a soft smile.
1: Oh, of course. How can I help you?
0: Uh What? Scottmere looked around for evidence of who Lorvana was talking to. He stopped, puzzled at finding the dirty alley empty, safe for themselves, and the smell of old trash and mold. What? Um, who... Who are you talking to? <laughs> what the... Suddenly, two ogres came from the open walkway between the rough stone buildings.
1: Smelly, smelly. loot these motor. Yes. <laughs>
0: On your place, little birds! <laughs> oh, get up. Come on, Scottmere! Let's go! As the charged at the party, Sophie ran beside Scottmere. Lorvana's mind slowed down. As a bar, details rarely escaped her keen mind, and this would prove to be one moment she would never forget. She saw the old man turn to look at Sophie. And smiled, nodding. He stepped forward and held two hands out in front of Scottmere and Sophie. She noted they didn't react to him being directly in the way as they drew blades. She became concerned as she realized she still sat squarely on the charging dwarf's shoulders. He must have forgotten everything. Oh
1: no. hey, what?
0: Be brave. A ball of fire engulfed the entire group in a flash. Morvana felt no heat. Yet when eyes adjusted, oh. the ogres were gone.
1: What happened?
0: Morvana looked around, trembling, trying to parse what happened. She saw Una and Isinotho. The old man and Sophie were gone. Oh. As were the ogres.
1: Um, Scottmere?
0: She stood on the hard ground, trembling, where the powerful shoulders of Scottmere once were. (coughs) The air seemed slightly cleaner, having some thick stone and an open door between them. There's a welcome smell of old beer and herb cheese that pushed back the heavy smoldering scents outside. The room was sparsely populated, as Dabria had expected and hoped. This inn was a favorite for sailors, not soldiers. Though she herself would be recognized without the cloak, it wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, just not her intention. There were a few older human merchants at one table, and the surly barkeep sitting behind the cracked and worn dark bar top, smoking a rich chocolate-smelling pipe. Benedict turned to her, his eyes kinder than his armor looked. She hoped he wouldn't let his morality get in the way of their success sneaking into town. Those minotaurs really were frightened by you.
1: <laughs> Many are.
0: <sighs> mm. Well... She was in charge of the undead legion. Right? Yes. Well. Mm. Minotaur are terrified of the undead. Uh, Something about it being an affront to the glory of a proud warrior's death and all that. Dabria now looked through Zorin, daggers passing from her eyes. I mean... I... Uh... Mm.
1: Yes. Something like that.
0: Um. Well, this place seems to be pretty normal patronage. Maybe they might be able to give us a local scoop.
1: I figured this is a place we can start, at least, but not with... I... As... I'm too well known as not being one of the people...
0: She looked away and back to her blood-red wine. I'll go. Benedict took in a deep breath and strode over to the table with four older merchants dressed in rich colored silks trimmed in fine furs. Yes, indeed they are. One of them was regaling everyone with a tail, his white mustaches wagging as he spoke. Well, but below his chin. Medic noted how they waved similar to a banner in the breeze on the battlefield. And so I'm sure everyone will get their sick enjoyment out of the parade tomorrow. Paula's come to be... Excuse me. <gasps> oh, I, uh. What do you know of this parade? A look of fear washed over him as he saw the tall, dark army officer before him. My lord, I. I. It meant no disrespect, my lord. Supporters, we are. R- right?
1: Uh. Yes. I will Silence!
0: Imbecile. Dabria raised an eyebrow at the outburst. Hey. You know, he might be able to do this yet. Benedict placed two heavy hands on the table and leaned into the man's coarsely shaven face. You could see him tremble. The faded green eyes darted side to side, unable to lock with Benedict's icy stare. You... Answer me. The parade tomorrow will welcome a new special batch of prisoners. Um, everyone's excited, my lord. Why? What makes this so special to you, Cretans? My lord, Palace can easily take prisoners with our might. But it's the usurpers, my lord. Usurpers?
1: The, the prisoners are from some ragtag army to the north. <laughs>
0: yes, and then to the dungeons, correct? Just to be paraded around and shown off like the pigs they are. My Lord, they will be taken to the arena for the Lord Palace's enjoyment, as well as the entertainment of the rest of Onrook. Of course. That will be all. Bendig turned to walk back to the table. Barely overhearing them continue, Gabriel saw his eyes open slightly wider, meeting hers. That's no ragtag army, Donovan. Word is they took back on a keep. Scottmere felt thousands of claws in the darkness, pulling him apart. Then a sensation of being carried away. And then, finally, nothing. Whoa. Where am I? He woke to find himself in a dingy cell. The smell of dust and ammonia <coughs> lingered in the air like a neglected circus cage. Small mounds of hay and straw used for bedding, or who knew what else, were piled in the four corners of the cell. To the back from the gate, one rough-cut stone wall existed accompanied by three sets of crude ancient iron bars. You could see this was one of many cells in this row. Lying on the ground in the cell to his right was Sophie. Her chest heaved with laborious breaths. But at least she appeared to be alive. Passed out, maybe. But alive. He was relieved. Looking at the wall, he noticed scratch marks. Like tick marks for counting off calendar days. He squinted his eyes for a moment. As it appeared that they spelled out a phrase. Everything happens for a reason? What? He rubbed his eyes, and the message was gone. Scottmere noticed a small crumpled form in the cell opposite of Sophie's to his left. He heard the slight moan as a bloodied hand reached out to crawl to a seated position, or at least to lean on an elbow distantly familiar face rose as it looked at Skotmere, from one closed and bruised eye. <laughs> he could see a familiar glint of dwarven pride. Uh, Skotmere... Is, is... that you? <laughs> it is. It is Scottmere. I, Skotmere. My brother. Scottmere was stunned a moment. Their last words were in anger, not love, and he left his family believing them all to be uncaring and ignorant to who he was. He saw the genuine, though weakened smile on his brother's face now. The past had died somewhere behind, Thotmere's welling eyes. Father will be so happy. Ignoring the pain of the past and present weakness, Scottmere thrust his hand through the iron bars to clasp his long-lost brothers. Their union was cut short as a booming voice echoed down the hall, along with storming footsteps. Soon a tall, dark man stepped forward in black fabric, Clutched tight around a muscular body. What appeared to be a horned helmet poked out from beneath the hood of his cloak, his face wrapped in dark black gauze. He leaned on a crude great club, the wood dark with years of use and blood. I look forward to meeting all of you in the pits tomorrow. My pits. <laughs> sleeping now boys tomorrow you'll either sleep forever or sleep for days <laughs> <laughs> And has been champion for as long as anyone can guess.
1: Yes, I know.
0: The voice startled the two dwarves, who turned to see a very awake Sophie. Her eyes stared down the long hall following Maldros. Appearing in this episode Dabria, JD Rose, Benedict, Brian Dowling, Cordelia, Jolene Fresquez, Erilyn, Jordan Thompson, Isanatha, Haley Munoz, Scott Beer, Colton Jansen, Lorvana Birdsong, Cara Danvers, Sophie, Sarah Jenkins. Thoughtmere Storm S. Cone Zoran Ogre and Commoner Cody Miller Minotaur Captain Matthew Bianchi The Stranger Phil Busher Ghost Girl Ariana Achley Merchants Arlen Guthrie Tyler Cauldron and Shannon Robey Mercenaries Nikki Richardson and Ash Richardson. Minotaurs, Haley Munoz and Casey Kennedy. Maldros, Snake Eye, Ogre, Halfling Mercenary, and Keldor the Narrator, Mike Ashley.
1: Thank you for joining us in this episode of Dice Tower Theater's Dawn of Dragons. Please join us in thanking our magnificent cast for their performance. Their full list can be found on the show notes. If you would like a sticker from the show, please leave a review on any podcasting platform and send a screenshot to dm at dicetowertheater.com with a mailing address so we can send it to you. In the next episode, what danger awaits Scott, Mir, and Sophie in the arena? And what secrets will be discovered by Una, my dear dark sister, and their group in the temple? Until then, fellow adventurers, stay safe and remember the oath, the oath, the oath.